0: The Pat Kenny Show
1: with MasterCard. Share an extraordinary experiences all over the world with Priceless cities at Priceless.com.
0: This, is News Talk. Uh, There's been a lot of discussion recently surrounding those who choose or not to get vaccinations um, and vaccinate their children perhaps against the MMR and other uh, conditions. HPV would be uh, one that was in the news. But what about vaccination and pets? Is the anti-vax movement affecting
1: them? Pete? Yes, it certainly is. Um, And it's having an impact in some parts of the world. Um, Basically, Dogs especially, they should be vaccinated against a number of diseases. Parvovirus, distemper, hepatitis and leptospirosis are the main four diseases that dogs need to be vaccinated against. What about rabies? Rabies, yes. If they're going into a risk area or indeed if they're travelling, then they're legally obliged to. OK, with those so, four again, parvovirus? Parvovirus hepatitis, distemper, and leptospirosis.
0: How often are those vaccinations given?
1: So so we know from science they should be given to puppies, and they have to be given at the right time once the mother's protective antibodies have worn off, otherwise they neutralise the vaccines. So the specified times, normally it's something like about 8 weeks and 12 weeks of age. Then after that, dogs need to have a booster vaccination one year later. One year later, so when they're about 15 months of age, then after that, it does depend. Um, usually it's, it used to be every year. Vets used to say a dog should have a boost of vaccination against all four every year. Now what we're told is it should be every three to four years against three of those diseases. But if a dog is at risk from leptospirosis, then they should have that one every year because it's a bacterial um, disease mm-hmm. and that means the vaccine doesn't last Long, so it's the same as cholera in humans. If you go into a risk area of cholera because it's bacterial, you have to have a, yeah. it's a shorter acting vaccine. So that has to be given every year. And people will say, well, maybe the vaccine isn't needed. Maybe you should get a, a um, serology carried out. And people do that for the other three diseases. After three years, you can get a blood test done to see if you got enough. An- the dog's got enough yeah. antibodies against those diseases. And then if they haven't, you get the vaccine. If they have, then you don't need to. The problem is for leptospirosis is that serology doesn't work. It's a different type of immunity. What that means is you can't. Do a blood test okay. for it. Now, what about cats? Given that these are the mm. two kinds of uh, sure. domestic animals that so, many people have. So, with cats, there's a disease called feline panleukopenia that's quite like parvovirus in dogs. Same thing applies. That should be given around eight weeks, around 12 weeks, a year later, and then every three to four years. But they also have to be vaccinated against cat flu and cat flu is two viruses, herpes virus and and caliche virus. And um, again, um, the risk for those ones varies. And so what what vets will recommend depends a little bit on the lifestyle of the cat. So if you've got a cat that stays in your apartment and never goes out at all, um, and doesn't meet other cats at all, doesn't go to boarding cateries, then probably it's okay to give a vaccine maybe every two or three years. If you've got a cat that socialises a lot or that goes to cateries, then every year is still going to be recommended for them. And there is another disease that the cat's can get called feline leukaemia which is actually a cancer that's caused by a virus and it can be immunised against? It can indeed be and and that should be given again to kittens and how often that's repeated again it depends on the risk and I would uh, uh, talk to your vet about that too so nowadays rather than having a, a blanket rule for all vaccines what vets will tend to do is individualise it depending on the animal's mm-hmm. risk.
0: Now how is the anti-vax sentiment which is out there impacting on well, pet
1: vaccinations? Yeah well see what will happen, there's, there's no doubt that occasional vaccine reactions can happen. So, dogs and cats can get a little bit of a sore area where they get injected. That's the most common reaction. Very rarely, if they can get other immune based um, reactions um, and they would be extremely rare but they do happen but the problem is that the anti-vax movement has taken that and run with it and so now they talk about vaccines causing all sorts of like allergic skin disease cancers anything you can think of they blame them all on too many vaccines for dogs and they even invented a word vaccinosis for too many vaccines causing illness now We get exposed to antigens all the time in our daily lives and we don't suffer from being too exposed to things around us. We don't suffer from being too exposed to too many cold viruses or if we catch flu many times, it doesn't make us ill. And vaccines are no different in that sense. So I don't believe that vaccines... Over-vaccination is a thing. Nonetheless, people have it in their head that it is. And so they're reducing how many vaccines they give. And in some ways, that's fine because you don't need an annual vaccination against some of these diseases, as I've said. The problem is that people are stopping vaccinating altogether. And that's when you get problems. Yes.
0: And um, what do you think of the situation in, in New York where in one particular borough they're saying if your kid is not vaccinated you're not welcome in the public school or in any publicly owned space.
1: That's completely logical because because of this concept known as herd immunity or population immunity in humans, where we know that um, in, in that particular instance, if you have something like 92 to 95% of the community vaccinated against measles, then the disease will not happen. It's okay to have 5 to 8% of people not vaccinated because the, the herd immunity means that the fact that the measles virus won't spread quickly. So they've gone down to 73% rate of vaccination. That means the virus will spread along, around the community. The same applies in the veterinary world. So you can have a situation where, um, actually, in the, hum- in the veterinary world, up to 30% of the population needn't vaccinate their dogs And there won't be a big epidemic. But once it goes down below 70% of dogs being vaccinated in an area, then you will get rapid spread of a disease like parvovirus or distemper. And that's when it's really dangerous. And that's exactly what's been happening in some parts of the world. I have a colleague in Australia. In her town, she started to see parvovirus in all sorts of dogs. Not just puppies, but also in adult dogs, maybe eight, nine, ten-year-old dogs hadn't been vaccinated since they were puppies. And we didn't see that before because of herd immunity, because everybody was getting their dogs vaccinated. But because they're reducing the incidence of vaccinations, we're now starting to see this. Um,
0: To what extent are these conditions you've mentioned for both cats and dogs uh, potentially fatal? Or to what extent are they like the common cold? They'll cough Mm. and sniffle and sneeze and they'll get over it.
1: Well, it varies between diseases. Parvovirus is often fatal. So that's a, a terrible one. And feline... Um, Panleukopenia would be the same as that and, and vets dread those diseases because you, you put loads of resources and time and energy and love and care into trying to save these animals and then they die a week later often And that, so it's a terrible disease and that's the biggie um, distemper would be this, similar and so would hepatitis um, so these are life and, and leptospirosis people say ah it's a bacterial disease you can treat it well I can tell you it's not easy to treat it's a zoonosis it can spread to humans and some animals die so it's way better prevented as far as cats cats flu um and uh, leukemia uh, le- leukemia is a, is another baddie um, as, ca- as far as cat flu is concerned that's more like just a very severe cold but it, it does cause a lot of suffering it's less likely to kill cats it can do but and, it's and a simple
0: shot to. early in the day uh, you know early in their lives will save you a lot of bother as a pet owner well,
1: well it certainly does and that's that's why it's recommended it's about preventing problems ok some of uh, the
0: questions coming in hi Pete the vet our much loved rescued dog Gracie probably a cross between a Labrador and a Collie uh, she loves to eat just wondering if it's ok to give her raw turnip and also raw potato peelings which she seems really to love funnily
1: she doesn't seem to like carrot or parsnip but does enjoy beetroot (laughs) interesting dietary habits well listen um that 's all okay in small quantities, people would always say don't give more than ten percent of your dog a diet of, of oddities like that because you want to overall the diet to be balanced. The one thing about potatoes is you mustn't give green potato stuff, so if the potato peelings have got green stuff in them, you know as they often do if they're supposed yeah. to light or whatever, that can be toxic don't don't give that otherwise you 're not going to cause a great deal of harm. any tips on training our four month old golden
0: retriever to stop barking if put out in the garden when we have to pop out for two or three hours, we leave water and play things and and a kennel all at his disposal.
1: It's difficult because puppies like that are so social. They love social contact. Um, I mean, the best thing would be to get a little doggy friend for them. I don't know if that's possible. Even if you have a friend who's got a a dog of a similar type or who the dog would like to play with, it might be better to do something like that. It's very hard to expect a four-month-old dog to be self-entertaining. You know, he might have all the toys he wants, but he really wants to play with somebody. Uh,
0: Another one, I have a nine-year-old female, Malamute? Malamute? Mm -hmm. What's that?
1: It's a bit like a Siberian Husky, similar type of dog. Okay.
0: I can't seem to integrate her with my granddaughter, who's now one year old. Every time my granddaughter goes near my dog, she growls and appears quite aggressive. I muzzle her any time my granddaughter is in the house, but I was wondering if there's something I can do to make my dog less aggressive
1: uh, towards her. That's from Trish. Well, it's difficult when a dog is nine years of age because, you know... Old dog, new tricks. Well, you're you're old. He's probably not used to... um, to to young children. Young children are quite frightening to dogs. They don't sometimes quite get that they're actually little humans. They see them as slightly strange alien creatures and they're unpredictable. Children are unpredictable. They do things like grabbing a dog's ear. I'd also worry with an older dog like that that your dog may have some focuses of pain in their body, like a little bit of arthritis or something. Mm-hmm. And one of the really common causes of aggression in dogs is when somebody hurts them accidentally and often they don't realise they've hurt them. So if, you, if that dog has a sore shoulder and the child reaches out to it the, the, the dog could be frightened of the pain and react in an aggressive way. I think the wisest thing in that situation is to have a strict rule that the dog always wears a muzzle whenever there's children around and that way you're safe at least mm-hmm.
0: uh, our cavapoo puppy had severe reaction to worm and tick tablets and had to be hospitalized for severe tremors what does pete think of such treatments from monica
1: well in general they're they're, they're safe they have to be safe they've been through all sorts of licensing tests and regulations to make sure that they are but any drug At all, in animal or in the human world, there's a very low incidence of Side effects, and if you read the or potential side effects, should I say, and if you read the data sheet that comes with the drug, you'll, you'll see them listed there. And they list them very specifically, as in this may happen in one in a thousand, this may happen one in ten thousand. I mean, it doesn't matter to you if your dog is that one in ten yeah. thousand, it's still very upsetting. But I think you have to trust that the regulatory authorities are there doing the job to make sure these things are generally safe. A final
0: one from the moment you are doing Facebook Live in a moment uh, or mm-hmm. two, I believe. Yeah. And my son is moving house, but it won't be ready for a couple of weeks, so he'll be moving into my apartment with his 10-year-old cat. What are the best tips for keeping her in the apartment?
1: Well, very simply, just keep everything shut, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, I, And I, two uh, litter trees. <laughs> yeah, two, exactly. And I would even say, it's worthwhile getting a cat tree. I love cat trees. And a lot of people don't know about these. They're essentially like scratching posts times 10. They're kind of like, a, a um, if you can imagine, um, toilet rolls piled up into a pyramid. They're kind of like that, but they're much bigger than that. Um, and they allow cats to sit on perches and to sit high high in the room looking down and to jump around and they, they would really help a cat feel so at So if home. the
0: cat doesn't have one of these already mm. the idea of having this new toy I think for it, the 10 days would be brilliant
1: And it would be a good addition to your son's new house as
0: well <laughs> Very good uh, Pete the Vet will continue to answer questions on Facebook Live so go to facebook.com forward slash Talk FM. <laughs>